Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. In 2008, Professor Dylan Selterman of the University of Maryland in the USA decided to add a unique twist to his final exams. So the professor of psychology gave his students an opportunity to earn bonus points on their exams. They could choose to receive either two bonus points or six bonus points to be added to their final exam mark. But there was just one catch. If more than 10% of the class chose six bonus points, then no one received any at all. Well, you can imagine the consternation Professor Selterman's students experienced. Should you choose more points for yourself and hope that only a few people make the same choice as you? Or do you choose less points for yourself and more for others? But then, are you willing to let others get more bonus points while you receive less, just so long as everyone gets some bonus points? Or would you rather that no one get any bonus points if you can't have as much as others? It was an interesting experiment in human behavior, and it revealed a lot about people's overall generosity. In fact, since 2008, only one class has made the right choice and received the bonus points. All the other classes had more than 10% of the students choosing the six points for themselves and thus losing all the points for everyone. So how would you act faced with that choice? Would you play it safe and let others get more bonus points than you? Or would you choose the greater number of points but risk losing it all? The funny thing about choices like this is that we all tend to think we're more generous than we really are. But faced with a real-life decision, most people don't make the generous choice. Yet the Bible is clear in its instructions to us about the link between being rich and being generous. If you want to be rich in God's eyes, you have to see things the way he does. And here's how God sees being rich. Being rich isn't about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. For what counts in God's view is not the value of your wealth, but the wealth of your values. That's why it's impossible to be truly rich and not be generous. And when you begin to see from God's view, you'll realize that being generous isn't about the amount you give as much as it is about the sacrifice you make in the giving. A hundred dollar donation from a millionaire is a token, a pittance. Ah, but a hundred dollar offering from a poor person is a special gift that catches the attention of heaven. Choosing to take less for yourself so that everyone can enjoy some is a sign of generosity. Choosing less for yourself so others can have more than you is the mark of sacrificial giving. For you see, generosity is more than just giving. It's more than an amount you give. Generosity is defined not only by what you give, but by what you keep. That's the message in our sermon today. We're going to discover three ways that generosity will help you to be good at being rich. But before we go to God's word, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and for your generosity to us. And we pray today you will teach us how to be good at being rich 
by being rich in generosity. I submit everyone watching and listening to your able hands and I bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the spirit of the living God to fall upon our hearts, to teach us and to change us today for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to take a moment right now. Join your faith with mine. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth For Today. It's wonderful to be with you in God's presence as we conclude our sermon series titled, How to Be Good at Being Rich. We began this series by understanding that we're all richer than we think. We have more than our ancestors could ever dream of. We have more than many others in the world. And we're all rich when we consider the great blessings God has freely given to us. Yet it's not enough to be rich. We have to be good at being rich as well. And in order to be good at being rich, we have to avoid the trouble with money. See, money is not good or bad in and of itself, but money has a strange way of coming in and trying to take over our affections and our hearts. Money is deceitful. And if you're fooled by money and you put your hope in money, you will be disappointed for money is uncertain and money is momentary. But the good news is this, we can all be good at being rich when we're rich in good deeds. And not only that, but we can all be good at being rich and guard against the trouble with money with one simple lifestyle choice we can make today, generosity. You see, friends, generosity not only leads to a rich lifestyle, it also guards your heart from the trouble with money. So today, let's discover how we can all be rich in generosity. Now, to help us learn the truth, we've prepared sermon notes. Your sermon notes are available free on my website, on my Facebook page, and on my YouTube channel. So go ahead, download those notes for today. And there at the top, you'll find our Bible text for this series found in 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. I want to invite everybody to read it out loud together with me. Are you ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, as you know, for the last four weeks, we've read this passage together and it's filled with truths and promises that are powerful and life transforming. But today I want to begin by focusing on one little phrase hidden in verse 17. It says this, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And in that nugget of truth, we have the foundation for today's message. For the fact is, in that one phrase, we see the glorious generosity of God. We see that being rich is always built on a foundation of extravagant generosity. 
We're rich because God has been generous to us. No matter how hard you work or how talented you are, your riches don't come from your own achievements and efforts alone. God's generosity is the source of all the blessings in our lives. And when we embrace that same generosity in us, it's the foundation for being good at being rich. So here's your first step in being rich through generosity. Generosity is a chance to show God in your life. You see, God's generosity is the foundation for our giving. It's because he is generous that we have the privilege of being rich. And when you think about it, there is no one as generous as God. He owns everything, yet he shares it all with us. For Psalm 24:1 tells us, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And Deuteronomy 10:14 says, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. He owns everything Yet he shares freely with all of us. He gives us life. He gives us breath. He gives us water and air and sky and sun and moon and earth and soil. He gives us rain from above and the crops from the ground. He gives us dreams and imagination, music and beauty. He gives us the sunset sky and the ocean waves, the hills and the birds, the lines and the flowers. Can you even count all the blessings God has freely given to you? He owns everything but he doesn't hoard anything. He shares with us all. For God is a generous God. And you know what is so amazing? God is even generous to bad and wicked people. Even sinners who hate God and men who deny God receive the blessings he pours out on all of us. He's generous all the time to all the people, both good and bad. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 45. Your Father in heaven gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. He is the picture of generosity and the very definition of generosity. But not only is God generous, he's extravagant. For John 3.16 said, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, the most valuable being in the universe, gave himself because he valued you. He gave his all. He knew only some would be saved. Only some would have faith, but he gave above and beyond so that everyone could have the opportunity to be saved. He didn't give some since only some would be redeemed. He gave all anyway. He didn't hold back because of excuses about how his gift would be treated. He didn't hold back because his gift would not be appreciated. Jesus gave all extravagantly, generously, sacrificially all. And the only way you and I can witness to others about God's sacrificial love is for us to also love sacrificially. The only way we can convince other people of God's extravagant goodness and generosity is to give extravagantly. We cannot truly witness of God's great love and God's great generosity when we as Christians are stingy. So let me ask you a question today. Does your giving reflect the generosity of God? If the only witness the world had to tell them about the love of God was how generous you are, would they understand the greatness of God's love? 
In 1983, a pastor from Africa was standing in the queue to purchase a few items at a mini-mart in the U.S. city of New Orleans. As he waited, he noticed that the couple in front of him didn't have enough cash to pay for their purchases. The pastor felt the Holy Spirit speak to him to give the couple some cash to pay for their items. So he tapped the man on the shoulder and said, Here, take this cash to pay for your items. And then the pastor said, Jesus loves you. The man took the cash, paid for his goods, and the couple left the store. The pastor didn't think anything more of it and was just glad he was able to help. Nine years later, the pastor was invited to speak at a church in New Orleans. After the service, a man walked up to the preacher and shared his story about how he had come to faith in Christ. Nine years ago, he said, my wife and our child were destitute, We had lost everything. We had no jobs, no money, no hope. We were living in our car. We lost our will to live, and we agreed to a suicide pact, including our child. However, we decided to first give our son some food, so we drove to a mini-mart to buy him some food and milk. While we were standing in line in the store, we realized we didn't even have enough cash to pay for the items. But a man behind us asked us to please take the money from his hand. And the man said, Jesus loves you. We left the store and drove to our designated spot where we wanted to commit suicide, but we couldn't do it. We wept for hours. We couldn't go through with it, so we drove away. And as we drove away, we passed a church with a sign out front which said, Jesus loves you. We went to that church the very next Sunday, and both my wife and I were saved that day. This man then told the pastor, when you began speaking this morning, I knew immediately that you were the man who gave us that money. I recognized your voice and your accent. I just want you to know that your act of kindness, your act of generosity was much more than a simple good deed. Three people are alive today because you gave. Generosity is more than just a gift. It's a witness of God's love. It's a testimony of God's generosity. For when we are generous, we are like him. When we are generous, we point others to Jesus and give God glory. In fact, that's the purpose of being rich. We are enriched so that we can be generous, so that we can display God's love and generosity. In fact, that's what God tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, 11 to 12. Listen carefully. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. And consider what God is telling you today. We've been made rich so that we can be generous. Not so we can consume it, so we can give it. We've been made rich so we can show God's love to others. They will see his love in our generosity. And they will give him praise when they see our giving. So just put your hand on your chest and say after me, I am blessed to be a blessing. I am rich to be generous in giving. That's why I believe we are closer to God and more like him when we are extravagantly generous. But here's the problem for many of us. 
when we hear that God is generous, we automatically think of how we can access some of that generosity. We pray, Lord, be generous to me. We're focused on getting, not giving. Yet we must understand today that the generosity of God is not just to bless you and provide for you. It's also an example for us to follow. And for that to happen, we have to allow God's Holy Spirit to work in us, to change us, to be like him. And that's our second truth. Generosity is a way to grow. Now, you may never have thought of this before, but the fact is generosity is the antidote to greed and materialism. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. God invented giving to work greed and selfishness out of us. Too many of us today have been deceived by the consumption assumption, assuming that everything that comes to our hand is designed for us to consume. In fact, that's the definition of greed. Greed is consuming everything for yourself. And God wants you to grow out of greed and grow out of selfishness and into love. It's not that he doesn't want you to have things. Remember, he richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He loves showering you with blessings. But most of all, he wants your heart. He wants to make sure you aren't led astray by earthly riches. For Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let me ask you a question today. Where is your heart? Many years ago, there was a famous missionary named David Livingstone. Originally from Scotland, David Livingstone spent his adult life in southern Africa, spreading the gospel and rescuing thousands of lives. He was a great servant of Christ, and his words speak to us today through his famous prayer. God, Send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. And sever any tie in my heart except the tie that binds my heart to yours. When he died, his body was carried back to the UK and he was buried where he was born. But though his body was transported back to Scotland, his heart was removed and buried in Zambia. For the people said his heart belongs with us. At the foot of a tall tree in a small African village, the people dug a hole and placed in it the heart of the man who they loved and respected. For they said to themselves, his heart was with us when he lived, so it must remain in the place he loved. If you go to Zambia today, you can see where David Livingstone's heart is buried in the place he loved. So let me ask you this. If your heart were to be buried in the place you loved most during life, where would it be? In your bank? In your pocketbook? In your wardrobe with your gold jewelry and your fashion clothes? Where would they bury your heart if they buried it in the place you loved the most? For you see, friends, God doesn't want to take your money. He just wants to make sure your money doesn't take you. 
God knows that the number one competition for your heart's affection is money. He designed giving to protect you from greed. That's why he commands us to give generously. And understand today, I'm not teaching you that money's bad. Not at all. God is not opposed to wealth. God is not opposed to the rich. He's not against you becoming rich. In fact, many of the great men and women in the Bible were very rich. Abraham was exceedingly wealthy. David was rich. Solomon was rich. In the New Testament, we find believers like Lydia who was rich and Joanna the wife of Herod's steward and Joseph of Arimathea all these believers were wealthy this truth reminds me of the story of the pastor who was having a meeting with his church staff suddenly an angel appeared and said to the pastor in front of all the staff because of your great dedication to God I've been sent to grant you one request you have a choice between three options choose one of these three and I will give it to you you may have money or wisdom or long life the pastor quickly said I choose wisdom Great wisdom is granted to you now, the angel said, and then the angel disappeared in a puff of smoke. The church staff sat and stared at the pastor in silence. Finally, one of them said, Pasta, now that you have great wisdom, tell us something wise. The pastor looked at them and said, I should have chosen the money. <laughs> So God is not opposed to wealth, okay? In fact, I'm praying for God to raise up millionaires in his church. I'm praying for you to prosper and get contracts and become wealthy. But here's the point. Whether you are rich or poor in this life does not add any value to your life. You are special and valuable because God created you and God loves you. Whether you're rich in money or poor in money does not make your life better. There are many rich people who are miserable and many poor people who are very happy and content. So here's what you need to know today. God is not opposed to wealth. God is opposed to the misuse and abuse of wealth. And that's why money is a test for us. And generosity is the way out of greed. For God says in Deuteronomy 8.16, he gave you manna to eat in the desert, to humble you and to test you so that in the end, it might go well with you. And sometimes God gives us a little bit of money to see what happens to us. If we're faithful and generous with what he gives us, he gives us more. But if we allow that little money to take over and control us and turn us away from him, God stops the blessings. Some of you are praying for a breakthrough. But if you got your breakthrough, you'd turn your back on God. I've been in ministry for 44 years. I've seen people get what they wanted from God and stop coming to church. I've seen people get healed and walk away from God. I've seen people get a load of money and get lost. God loves you too much to let money and greed destroy you. When money takes you, it becomes a terrible master. You lose peace and gain fear. You lose freedom and gain bondage. You lose love and gain selfishness. If you don't overcome greed, more money can actually make you poor in the things that matter. If you don't keep your affections centered on Christ, more money can actually reduce your blessing. See, God gives us everything to enjoy, but when the joy goes out of your possessions, they're no longer blessings. 
That's why Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. But giving is an antidote to greed. You can overcome the corrupting influence of money when you become generous. So to be good at being rich, you have to put more value in your character than in your bank account. You have to put more emphasis on your spiritual life than on your financial life. And when you value your values more than your wealth, you are overcoming greed. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. When your desire for spiritual growth exceeds your desire for financial growth, then you are safe from greed. That's what the Word of God tells us in 2 Peter 1, 5-9. Listen carefully. Because you have these blessings, do all you can to add to your life these things. To your faith, add goodness. To your goodness, add knowledge. To your knowledge, add self-control. To your self-control, add patience. To your patience, add devotion to God. To your devotion, add kindness toward your brothers and sisters in Christ. And to this kindness, add love. If all these things are in you and growing, you will never fail to be useful to God. You will produce the kind of fruit that should come from your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who don't grow in these blessings are blind. They cannot see clearly what they have. So consider this truth. To be rich, your goal is not to add to your bank account, but to add to your character. Money is a test from God, and generosity is the way to pass the test and keep on growing. For when you open your hand and give, you free your heart from greed, and you increase the richness of your life. And that's our third truth today. Generosity is a seed to sow. Listen to this powerful promise in Genesis 12, 2 and 3. I will bless you, God says, and you will be a blessing, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God gives to us so that we can imitate him in his generosity. He blesses us so we can be a blessing. He overwhelms us so we can overwhelm others. And when we allow God to use us in this way, we not only bless others, we open the door for fabulous blessings in our lives as well. For Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. Somebody say amen. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. See, friends, here's the amazing truth. God can bless you more through generosity than you can grab for yourself with greed. You'll end up ahead by giving, and you'll end up losing by keeping it all to yourself. It doesn't make sense in the natural realm, but this is a spiritual principle repeated over and over in the Bible. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6.38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is fantastic. Listen to what God says. He says, I'm going to increase it. I'm going to press it down. I'm going to shake it together. What you give will be pressed down and there will be made room for more. Then I'm going to make sure it starts to run over and gets poured back into your lap. 
Friends, you can't get around it. You can't escape it. It's going to chase you down. It's going to tackle you and run and embrace you. The blessing of God is going to pursue you and catch you and shower you. For there is no limit with God when he says he will press it down and shake it together and cause it to run over. Then he will do it. He never runs out. His well never runs dry. He doesn't have to save up for tomorrow or ration out his blessings. Every day there are new blessings. Every day there's abundance with God. And Jesus came to give us abundant life. This is more than just material goods. It's life itself. And over and over in the scripture, this same truth is repeated. Listen to 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. But the key is, you must give. You can't reap unless you sow. No seed, no harvest, no sowing, no reaping, no giving, no blessing. But when you do give, when you do sow, you are guaranteed to be blessed. Whoever, any person, anywhere, in any nation and culture, it doesn't require education or talent or beauty. It is whoever. God is clearly telling us that the measure of our giving will determine the measure of our receiving. It's a law of God, a principle that cannot be broken. If you follow this law, you will walk in his provision. And if you don't, you won't. What you put in determines what you get out. As you sow, you'll reap. The promise works whether you're rich or poor. God works with his word and according to his law. Giving works for everyone because God said so. In 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 11, he says, and God who supplies seed for the sower, he gives seed to the sower, not the hoarder, and bread to eat, will also supply you with all the seed you need and will make it grow and produce a rich harvest from your generosity. He will always make you rich enough to be generous at all times so that many will thank God for your gifts. He gives seed to the sower, not the hoarder. He gives seed to the one who gives it away, not seed to the one who keeps it tied up. But he promises to increase you, enlarge you, and supply you. And I speak to you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. God is going to supply and increase and enlarge you as you give. If you will take what he's placed in your hand and sow it in faith into God's kingdom, he's going to replenish your seed and restore what you've given. You shall not run out of seed. Your capital will not run dry. Your account will not run empty. And your harvest will surely come. Somebody say amen. I've experienced this reality in my life for over 47 years. I've been faithful in tithes and offering, and I've never seen God fail me yet. I've had times when things were tight, but I've never gone without food. I've never gone without shelter. I've never gone without clothing or transport or the basic needs of life. God has kept me in faith for over 47 years. And I know many of you could testify of the same goodness of our God. He's blessed you. His word is true. Yet let us never Never forget that all these blessings has come as we have obeyed his word. We must not forget that his word never fails. As long as we do our part, God is going to do his part. 
But this truth brings us to a challenge today. If God has been good to you, and if he blesses you when you're generous and when you give freely, then what is preventing you from going to the next level in your giving? If his promises are true, and you found them to be true in your life, then why don't you increase your generosity? Why don't you keep giving more and more and becoming more and more generous? Why don't you sow even more seeds in generosity so that you can experience even greater harvest for his glory? See, the Bible doesn't put a cap on God's blessings. There's no passage that says there's a limit to the blessings of the Lord on the generous. In fact, Luke 6.38 makes it clear. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. I hear God challenging you today. You've given a little. You've seen what I can do. You've been faithful in your tithe and offering and you've experienced my blessing now. I challenge you to take the next step of faith and grow in your generosity. Move into a new realm of faith and give more than you thought possible. Friends, God has blessed you thus far through giving. So why stay in the same place you've been at for the past five years? Why not start to move forward and do something new in faith today to stretch yourself and enter a new realm of generosity? We must not settle for the same levels of giving we had last year. We must not settle for the same levels of faith we had last year. We must press in and experience greater things as we move into God's purposes and destiny for our lives. And I believe that today, God wants to challenge us to become wildly, extravagantly rich in generosity. I'm challenging everyone watching and listening to me today to move to the next level in your giving. No matter how much you're sowing now, begin to sow more. For when you do, you're going to experience new levels of blessing. You'll not only be rich, you'll be good at being rich. That's what happened to me back in 1999. That year, I traveled to Monrovia, Liberia to minister at the Agape Church. The nation of Liberia had just passed through a horrific civil war and much of the nation still lay in ruins. There was hunger and poverty and economic hardship. People were suffering, but perhaps the greatest challenge was the countless number of children left orphaned by the war. During my visit, I felt the Lord tell me to visit an orphanage to witness firsthand the incredible hardships of these precious children. I'll never forget the day I went to the orphanage. The kids were living in an uncompleted building with no electricity. The orphanage was barely able to take care of the large number of children. I asked one of the staff members, what is your greatest challenge? And she said, oh, the most difficult thing is when we have no food to give the children to eat for supper. So we send them to bed at 4 p.m. so that they won't all gather around crying. Then a little boy came over to me. He was probably about three years old. He was thin, dressed in rags. His t-shirt was too long and full of holes. I looked down at this little boy and he looked up at me and I knew I could not. I could not turn my back and walk away. I felt God telling me to do something to help the children. Well, I'd intended to give a gift and donate some food or money and then say goodbye. I never thought God might be asking me to do more. But that day, as I stared down into the face of this needy child, I felt God challenging me to do more. 
Now, I was a busy man back then. I was preaching and teaching and traveling and leading churches. I was called to preach, not run an NGO. I was giving what I could and doing what I could, but running an orphanage was not part of my goals. Opening a children's home wasn't part of my vision or my five-year plan. To be honest, I didn't have the time. I didn't have the money. I didn't have what I knew I needed to help children and raise orphans and start a new ministry. And I looked at all the things I didn't have and told God why I couldn't help. But in that moment, I heard God asking me for more. I heard him challenging me to use what I did have and go to the next level in my faith and my service and my giving. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I could not turn my back on that little three-year-old boy and just walk away. So I prayed, Lord, I offer myself to you. If you want me to do something more, make a way. Give me what I need, and I'll use it for the children. I prayed that prayer and said amen. I wasn't sure anything would happen. You know, sometimes we pray like that, don't we? We say, God, if you want me to do something and make it happen... And then we just move on with life and don't follow through. We don't expect God to answer. But God took me up on my prayer. Later that year, a man I had never met walked into one of our partner churches in the USA and made a donation. He told the pastor he wanted to donate to a missionary. So the pastor showed him the full list of all the missionaries their church supported. There were probably about 50 missionaries on that list. And the man picked me. He wrote a check for 50,000 U.S. dollars and said, give this to Pastor Whitcomb and tell him to use the money to start an orphanage. And thus, in July 2000, we launched the Agape Children's Home. A seed of compassion was sown in my heart by meeting a child in Liberia. A seed of surrender was sown to God in prayer. A seed of money was sown by a stranger in America. A seed of our time was sown by my wife and I to start the home. We took what we had and gave it to God. We sowed seeds and today we are reaping a harvest. Today, Agape Children's Home is one of the leading care homes here in Ghana. We're raising children for Christ. God has helped us raise and develop these children into mature men and women who are serving the Lord and making a difference in Ghana. The original children we took in when we started are now working and some have married and raising their own children. Three of our young men just completed their first degree at university. We have several more at university now and our work continues. We're sowing seeds and we're reaping harvests. We're giving what we have and God is using it and blessing it to do more than we could ask or think. But it all begins by sowing a seed. The great harvest starts with a seed and the greater things God has for you begin when you become rich in generosity. Every one of us can be good at being rich. It begins when you realize you're richer than you think. Focus on what you have, not on what you don't have, and you'll be thankful and content. We can all be good at being rich when we understand the trouble with money. As we gain wealth, we must gain wisdom. As we build finances, we must also build faith. Money is deceitful and uncertain and momentary, so don't let your possessions possess you. Put your hope in God. 
And as you do, start to build true and eternal riches. Be rich in good deeds by serving God and the people around you. Become a good deeds millionaire. And be rich in generosity. Show God's goodness through your giving. Give so that greed won't take a foothold in your life. Sow generously and reap a harvest for eternity. That's how to be good at being rich. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you touch each and every heart. Everyone watching and listening today, move in us. Break the stronghold of greed. Oh Lord, give us freedom from the myth of materialism. Help us not to be deceived by money, for it is uncertain and momentary. But Lord, turn our hearts to you, that we'll be grateful for how rich you've made us in the things of God, that we'll be grateful for everything you've done for us, and we will in turn want to show others your goodness by being rich in good deeds and rich in generosity. I pray that you'll make each and every one of us good at being rich. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Lagon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.